And now, another timely and powerful message from Pastor Emmanuel Williams and Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee. Psalms 81, our text reads, God said, because they would none of me, they did not, they did not want, right here, verse 11, but my people would not hearken to my voice, and Israel would none of me. Sometimes we don't tell God that verbally, but in our actions. Amen. We tell God, I don't want anything to do with your word, your direction. We don't say it, but the way we behave sometimes. And God says to the nation of Israel, because you don't want any of me, you don't want my leading, you do not want my counsel, then verse 12 says, because, because God will not force his will. Say, force his will. Yeah, since God will not force his will on you. That's why he's telling the nation of Israel. Yes, God will direct you. God will, I should say, even sometimes try to incentivize us to embrace his will. But again, you and I, we have a will. You have a will and God has a will. Let me say it again. God has a will and we have a will. God's will is humble yourself and you shall be exalted. Amen. Guess who else have a will? The devil has a will. The devil's will is exalt yourself and you shall be humiliated. The devil's will is stay in pride, exalt yourself, and you'll be humiliated. It happens inevitably. And so, and let me say this right here. Indecision is a decision by itself. We don't have a choice. Indecision is a decision. You choose not to do anything. And so, today, I want to continue from where we stopped. You know, I thought at first I was done with this two-part <laughs> sermon series. But most of the times when we talk about God's inability, as he states in this particular text, his inability to do something, we have a hard time processing it. We have a hard time reconciling God's position. When God said, I cannot, well, people say, well, isn't God all-powerful? God said, oh, I wish they would. And if they did, I would do that. And people ask, say, well, the questions were, Pastor, if God is powerful, if God is omnipotent and Paul powerful, why couldn't he do what he said he would do? I mean, if you would agree, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Why didn't he subdue their enemies? Why didn't he fed them with the finest of wheat? Why didn't he fed them with honey out of the rock? Why didn't God satisfy them? <laughs> Pastor, I thought he was a good God. <laughs> you know, Psalm 73 verse 1 says, God is good to Israel, even to such as of a clean heart. Isn't that what God does? He fights our Oppositions, the devil, opposition, which is the devil, he gives us heaven's best. Hmm? Why is he saying he couldn't do it? Why is he stating that he wished he could defeat the enemies? Isn't he omnipotent? Somebody asked. Isn't he all powerful? After all, Jeremiah 32 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And it's a rhetorical question. The answer is nothing. It's too hard for God. Hmm? 
But here, he's, here he is stating in Psalms 81, I can't do that for you. What's going on? You know, many people are asking the same question silently. Many people are asking the same. I, I spoke with somebody yesterday. I'm praying and nothing is happening. Didn't God say he's a good God? What's going on? I've been in there for a long time. What is the problem? And I found out that after I spoke with the person, first of all, they have been attending church, but they were not saved. Mm -hmm. Attending church, but they were not saved. If you are here this morning, if you're listening, amen, over Facebook, over the radio, or here this morning, and you've been attending church, and you haven't made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today is a good day to do that. Amen. Today is a good day to say, Father, I recognize I'm a sinner and I cannot help myself. I thank you for sending Jesus to take away my sins. And so, Jesus, I make you my Lord today and forever. It's a good prayer to pray. Immediately, you'll be shifted from darkness to the kingdom of God. And that's the problem most times. We are in church, but we are not saved. We haven't turned away, turned away from our own works. We are still doing our things our own way. Uh-huh. Yes. Spoke with many Christians. Have their own plans, their own things. Yeah, I, I hear your plan, but this is what God's word says to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. God has laws. How many of you would agree God has laws? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And God has, to, God has to work within his laws. So even, though God, even if God is all-powerful, God has the law of gravity in place so you can step on the roof of this building and say god is a good god i know he's given gravity but because he's good i'm going to step out in mid-air do you recognize if god cancel the law of gravity everything on earth will be airborne so is god powerful yes he is but he has to work within the confines of his laws that makes him a God with integrity. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so you and I, we have to cooperate with God. Can you say cooperate with God? So people are asking this question silently. Why wouldn't he do this? Why wouldn't he do that? Mm -hmm. My prayers are not working. And while I was meditating on some of the questions I were, uh, that came to me, God brought a verse to my heart I want to share with you. Can you go to Psalm 78? Psalms 7 to 8, and let's read verse 40 and 41. We got it? Verse 40 says, How often did the Israelites provoke God in the wilderness and grieve him in the what? Desert. Here it comes, verse 41. Are you ready for verse 41? It says, yes, they turned back and tempted God and limited. Wow. Have you ever seen that verse in the Bible? Limited the Holy One of Israel. How do you limit a great God? <laughs> the Bible says the Israelites limited God. Whoa. Could that be your case and my case? Could we be limiting God now? Like the Israelites did? They limited God 
the limited, the Holy One of Israel. Can you go to verse 42 quickly? Verse 42 says here, listen, and it gives you the reason why. They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. They forgot the wonderful works of God in Egypt. They forgot the ten plagues. They forgot walking through the dead, the, the, the Red Sea. The Red Sea congealed. The waters, they walk through on dry ground overnight. How you open up a sea? Bring a wind. Took all the water from the ground. So people won't get stuck in the mud while they're going through. The chariots won't get stuck. Are you with me? The animals while they're walking through. Overnight. And you're walking through the sea. And while you're going through, well, me, I would be pricking it and touching it. You, you know how I put my fist in Wow! <laughs> and you forgot that. And the, the, scripture, the scripture says it's because they did not believe, they did not remember. They forgot the hand of God. The hand of God here means the powerful works of God. And how he delivered them from the enemies in the wilderness. How God made a way for them. The Bible said they forgot that. Before I get into that text, though, I want to tell you here, first, that if you're an unbeliever, God is under no obligation. God has no obligation to answer your prayers. No, I got a verse for you. Psalms 7-11. I memorize it because they're 7-11 stores. <laughs> Psalm 711 says, God judges the righteous, but he's angry with the wicked every day. You got it? Psalm, God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked when? Every day. So God is under, God has no responsibility, no obligation to take care or to answer your prayers if you're an unbeliever. You need to get saved. Amen. You need to submit to God and embrace God's correct God's plan. Now, if for us who are believers, I got a verse for you too. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. You got Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Because I need you to understand, brothers and sisters, that you have a plan. God has a plan. Amen. And if we cooperate with God's plan, maybe, just maybe, we'll experience God's satisfaction. Uh-huh. And God, the finest from heaven and God's protection. We got it? 6, Galatians chapter 6, and I think it's verse 7. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Galatians 6, 7. Uh-huh. For whatsoever a human being soweth, that shall the human being also reap. The word man here means human being, not a male man. Amen? It doesn't mean men does this. No, no, no. And women, it's okay. No. <laughs> men, the word here is anthropos. It means human beings. Amen? So the Bible tells us, be not deceived. Those who are asking the question, they are deceived. Those who are asking the question, why is this not working? Why is that not working? And they are not in God's plan. They are deceived. And the Bible says, be not deceived. Why? God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Yes, that's what the word says. 
It continues in verse 8. For the human being that soweth to his flesh shall also of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth of the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Oh, what a blessing. Oh, glory be to God. Of the spirit, if you sow to the spirit, you'll reap life everlasting. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap what? Corruption. The question then becomes, what does it mean to sow to the flesh? And what does it mean to sow to the spirit? Huh? To sow to the flesh means if you live your life making decisions based on your five senses. Ignoring the realm of the spirit. Mm -hmm. Ignoring God's counsel. Given in his word. If you live your life ignoring God's counsel, then it's going to lead to corruption. Corruption means decay and pain, ruin and regret. I, I think you get the picture. Mm -hmm. The Bible says if you sow to the spirit, you will reap what? Life everlasting. Life what? Everlasting. Wow. When you got saved, you, we all have eternal life. Amen? There's a difference between life everlasting and eternal life. It didn't say you shall have eternal life. You shall have what? Life everlasting is men satisfying life on earth. You talk about, I'm talking about living life. You just satisfy. You know there are people just existing on earth. They are not living life. I said that too fast. They are folks just existing on the earth. They are not living out the life of God. In other words, the life of God is not flowing through them. Everlasting life is not flowing through them. They are just existing. The Bible says when you sow to the Spirit, when you live your life, and you live your life in accordance with God's plans for you, God's plans for me, the Bible says you're going to live a type of life that's everlasting, satisfying. Mm -hmm. Are you getting what I'm saying, saints? So it's good to sow to the Spirit. And so the Bible is using sowing here as living out one's life. Where we are today, brothers and sisters, you may not believe it, you may not agree. It took me a long while to agree that where I am today is based on the accumulation of thoughts I've entertained and the actions I've taken. It took me a hard time, a long time. To agree with that. Amen. I started blaming him. No it's him. No it's her. No it's she. <laughs> and the Holy Ghost said to me grow up. Where you are today. Is based on the summation of the thoughts you've entertained. Uh huh. The actions you've taken. Praise the Lord. Whether or not you choose to go. Right or left. You know what I'm talking about. All the decisions you're making in this life. Amen. And de de depending on the decision you make. You are going to experience everlasting life or pain or ruin, decay. Let me give you an exercise. Go to a retirement home. I've done that. <laughs> Go to a retirement home and listen to people who've lived out their lives. Let me share with you a pain you don't want to carry all your life. Try it. It'll change your life. I did it. It changed my life. It got me, it, it got me, it got me giving God everything I have. I sat with these people and I heard the pain of regret. 
That's the heavy spin to carry in life. You can see they dress well. They smell good. You can tell they were movers and shakers in their time. But now left and forgotten. Because they forget God in their youth. God forgot them. Yeah. <laughs> Try it. It might just change you. Try it. It might just settle you. Mm? Just try it. It might just change your mind to do more for God. To give God your everything. To hear people say, if I had it to do over again. If I had one more chance. I would serve God with everything I have. And then the tears start to trickle down their faces. If I knew better, I would have made the right decision. I would have not grieved God. Amen? Exercise for you this week? <laughs> That's what you said. I don't think so. <laughs> well, pastor, you found out for me. Thank you. <laughs> oh, when I left that place, I was changed. I don't know. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So saints, let me share with you, brothers and sisters. Do not limit God. For that matter, that's the title of my sermon this morning. Stop limiting God. By our actions, by our decisions. What we must do? Stop limiting God. Oh, Father, we give you, give you praise. You know, uh, uh, let, let's, mean, let, let, let's move on here. So the Bible says, Psalm 78, can you go back to our text? I won't be long. Psalm 78, verse 1. Let me break down the text. So, and what I'm going to do, brothers and sisters, is after I'm going to give you a history of the ten tribes of Israel. What happened to them? Mm -hmm. How they disappeared. Because they failed to embrace God's plans. Amen. Keeping that in mind. You have a will and God has a will. You have a plan and God has a plan. God's plan is laid out, is laid out for us in his book. In the Bible. God's plan is where? In the Bible. Amen. Don't. Please do not do like some of my friends. They're still waiting for God to whisper something to them in their ears. Turn left. Turn right. God has already spoken. Amen. God has already what? Spoken. spoken. It behooves you and I to sit and find out what he has said. Anybody here today can change their lives in five years. Anybody here. If, you, if you're interested... In five years, you give yourself five years to change my life. Five years. Anybody here standing here today? In five years, you can change your life. But you need a routine. Can you say routine? routine. Yes. You need, a, you need to be in a route. That's what the word routine means. Routine, in route. We need to find ourselves in route. How? Through a plan. Mm -hmm. There is a bad word that's used in Christianity that I'm going to tell you that you must have. Amen? And that is discipline. That's a bad word. You know that. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm being sarcastic. You need that discipline to sit down. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory be to Anybody can change their lives in five years. In, in how many years? Five years. Give it five years. That's always. I, I, people who come to me and they were married and they had a divorce. I say, give it five years. Yeah, yeah, give it five years. Five is the number of what? Anybody knows the number for what? 
Yes, five is the number of grace. In Hebrew, that's the number for grace. Amen? What's the color of grace? The color of grace, yeah, from the, from the tabernacle. Blue. You know why the sky is blue? Grace. I just thought I'd give that to you for free. Grace, sorry, grace. Grace, okay. G-R-A-C-E. Amen. So five years, five years, you can do it in five years, if you're interested, amen? So the Bible tells us here, brothers and sisters, if you, uh, in verse 78, verse 41, let's go and see if we can finish up that verse. Verse, very, very, very important verse. I want to deal with that verse because we are doing, I do not want us to do what they were doing and asking the questions that we were asking today. The Bible says they turned back and tempted God. They turned back. The word turn back here in Hebrew, it means to retreat. They retreated. They should. How many of you agree that there should be no retreat for believers? No retreat. There are only two words you can get from the word God, and that's what? Go do. Only two words. Yes, Nike was right. Just do it. Just, just do it. Amen? Go do. Only two words. The Israelites never, listen, never actually returned to Egypt. They never. The Bible says they were turned back they were turned back but they never turned back in body to Egypt what is God talking about this is what God is saying they were moving forward to the promised land but their hearts were in Egypt. yeah you see the Bible says in first Samuel chapter 16 verse 7 what does God looks at the heart that's what God looks at. It doesn't matter how much you're out there talking, moving your mouth and your body. You look, God looks at the what? Heart. We know you when nobody's there, when nobody's watching, all that talk. Praise the Lord. God looks at the heart. That's what God does. When you're at the house, are you doing what you're supposed to do? Amen. So you can move the gospel. So you can move the kingdom of God forward. So you can better yourself to give God your best. So the Bible says they're moving away from, you know, Egypt is a type of the world. Egypt is a type of what? The world. So they're moving to, they're moving to the promised land, to the wilderness, but their hearts. There is a cord in their hearts that's in Egypt. And it's pulling them this way. They're moving forward, but in their heart, they're saying, I wish I was in Egypt. We miss the garlics. We miss the onions. We miss the licks. We miss all the good time. Matthew, these people were slaves in Egypt. Mm. And they're talking about missing garlics and licks. They had the audacity to say, yes, God opened the Red Sea, but can he bring chicken wing in the wilderness? <laughs> Think, really? And God said, okay, 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 oh, I'm going to indulge you. But, but I'm going to let you have it after that. So the Bible said, God spoke to the east wind. And the east wind brought a bunch of chicken wing. Right at their doorsteps. And they got up, got it cleaned, and everybody smiling. Yeah, God. And so while they were eating that chicken wing. 
One of the rich in their throat. <laughs> That's it. Now it's my turn. The chicken wing got alive and stuck right there. It would not move. And died. Thousands died. Thousands died. Because they limited the Holy God. You find, you, you see, is your life choking somewhere, somehow? Do you feel, I was just speaking to somebody last week and the person said, Pastor, there is weight on me. I feel that there is something on me. I said, it's the burden of disobedience. The burden of disobedience. David said, David said, God's hand was hard on him. After David faulted with Bathsheba and Uriah, for one year went by and he never repented. And he said, he felt the pressure of God on his life. He said, he said, all my, he said, my bones were broken. I felt like the moisture left my body. He said, my joy was taken away from me. The joy of serving God. And God sent him help. God sent Nathan, prophet Nathan. And I love David because David took responsibility. Unlike me. David said in Psalm 51, he said, it is my sins. He said, have mercy upon me, Lord. According to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my sins. My transgressions. My sins. Not they made me do it. They, no, no, no. It's my transgressions. It's my sins. He said against you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. I will step up to the plate and take responsibility. I decide to grow. I'm not going to hold the people mm -hmm, and not forgive them. You know, somebody said, somebody said, uh, unforgiveness is unforgiveness. Yes, it's like drinking poison and wishing somebody else died. Okay. I'll drink the poison. I wish you die. people go the Bible said bless those that curse you yes. and pray for them yes. your fight is not with man your fight is not with women your fight is with the devil right. just happen to be using one another us one another amen when we don't embrace God's plan right. let me share with you brothers and sisters those of us who are married tell your tell your partner stay in the word amen. yeah tell your partner please stay in the word amen. yeah yeah those of you are not, those of you are, tell them stay in the word. I mean, that's what will ground you. That's where you get your help. That's where you get God's perspective. Amen. And those of you who are looking for God's plan, single, stay in the word. Amen. Jeremiah 29, God says, I know the thoughts I think towards you. I got the plan. Amen. So tell your, tell your wife and your husband too. Yes, Lord. Thank you, master. We need that ever so Ever so often now. Now the Bible says turn back, I said, means to retreat. There should be no retreat. Amen? In any Christians. Notice what the Bible says in Acts chapter 7 verse 39. The Holy Spirit is commenting, is commenting on this particular text. Acts chapter 7 verse 39. He's using, amen, Luke to comment on what happened in the wilderness. Can, if you, can you turn to Acts chapter 7 and verse 29. Let's read it. To whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them. No, uh, thank you. 
<laughs> then Moses fled at this time and was a stranger. Acts chapter 7 verse 39. Yeah, 39. Yeah. To whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them. And in their what? In their hearts did what? In their hearts. How did they turn back? In their hearts. They were heading towards the wilderness. Heading towards freedom. But in their hearts. They still wanted to go back to Egypt. So when the Bible says they turned back. It's referring to their hearts. And you wouldn't see them turning back. God will have to show you. Because God looks at the heart. You never know when people are not committed. Necessarily. Until God shows you. Yes, later on you'll find out. But everything starts in the heart. The Bible says that's where the issues of life comes from. Amen? From the heart. That's why God chose to look on the heart, brothers and sisters. So in Egypt, Egypt is a type of the world. Their bodies were heading to the promised land, but their hearts longed for the world. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, this morning. Is your heart longing for the world? You who was in church... Is such a burden for you. It's coming to the house of God, serving, it's praying, reading the Bible. Is it a burden for you? Let me ask you, let me tell you, if it is, you, should, you, you have to consider whether or not you're saved. Let me say that again. If reading the Bible, studying God's word, praying, coming to the house of God is a burden to you, you need to evaluate your spiritual position. Am I really saved? Because you are just like the Israelites. Your heart is longing for something else apart from God's word and God's house. If, if, if there is not a joy in you to come Sunday morning, the house of the Lord, glory be to God. Well, I'm just talking along because of my spouse, you know, bless God, bless God. I cannot wait by one o'clock. It should be over. I'll just bear with you. Know. I, that's what my father did. That's what my father did. Some of you think I had, you know, a good father, good family. Praise the Lord. <laughs> if I could only tell you, if I were to tell you, it'd be, ha! Ah. My father would come drag us and he would say, Emmanuel, I cannot wait, I cannot wait. I cannot wait for what, Dad? I cannot wait for the service to be over. Your mother is dragging me to church. <laughs> and then, you know, he would be sitting there with his spectacles, you know, smoking, in the beginning was the word. You know that son? In the beginning. <laughs> Anyhow. God is a good God. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Since is your heart. <laughs> Is your heart longing for the things of God or not? If, it's, if it is, if it's a struggle, I want you, you. You know what would be very embarrassing and humiliating? To die as a Christian coming to church and go to hell. That is so sad. You're coming here just because, well, it's a, it's a routine, you know. My, my spouse is deeply involved, by, but my heart is not here. My heart is not in church. Praise the Lord. I'm just trying to get my, my insurance in, my fire insurance in. Praise the Lord. I just didn't try. I don't want to go to hell, you know, but I'm not going to. 
Since we better evaluate, evaluate whether you're saved. Read the Bible, tell you how safe people behave. <laughs> Listen to what Jesus, how Jesus' countrymen limited what he could do in their lives. Can you go to Mark chapter 6? Mark chapter 6, verse 5 to 6. Hopefully as we go through this, this particular text, you will realize what it means to limit God. In Mark chapter 6, verse 5 to 6, the Bible tells us, And he, Jesus, could do no mighty works in Nazareth. Save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And he marveled because of their... And he went round about villages teaching. The Bible said Jesus couldn't do much. He was limited in what he could do in Nazareth. Because they looked down on him as Mary's and Joseph's boy only. They didn't see him as God. They limited what he could do in their life. Jesus came and the Bible said he marveled at the unbelief. Jesus was, Jesus said, I can't believe it. People are so rebellious. Matthew 15, can you go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 57 and 58 quickly? Matthew chapter 13, verses 57 58. It says, and they were offended in him. That's Jesus. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his own country and in his own house. And he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. He was limited. What I'm saying is Jesus, God, can be limited in your life. He can do so much in your life because of unbelief. God's work in your life can be limited. You and I can limit what God can do for us. Because of our unbelief. Because we do not submit to God's plans. Let's continue quickly. It says here, the Bible tells us, um, have we read? Can you go up to, to verse, I think, 56, 50, 56 or 55, I think. Matthew chapter 13, where we were a while ago. I'm not sure it's there, so you can see exactly what they did. Can you go up to verse 56 or 57? What about verse 56? Let's see what verse 56 says. Maybe it's not there. Yes, and his sisters, they are speaking about Jesus. They said, they said and his sisters, are they not with us? Whence then have this man all these things? They said, they're telling Jesus, I know you. We saw you grow up as a boy. We saw you go to school. We know your sisters and your brothers. And the Bible says, because of familiarity, they were offended in him. Since those of us who believe God doesn't heal, will not be healed. Let me say that again. Those of us who believe God doesn't heal, will not be healed. Those of us who believe that baptism in the Holy Spirit is not for today will not receive it. God will not force anything on us. We must believe. Faith in God takes the limits of God. Unbelief puts limit on God. It is up to you. God is not the one who, doesn't, who did not want to satisfy Israel with the best of heaven. He's not the one who didn't want to deal with the enemies. They place a limit on God. Ephesians chapter 3, 23, 
3.20 says, Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto whom who is able to do? Abundantly, above all, that we may ask or think. Uh-huh. Don't stop there. It's contingent on what? According to the power, Ephesians 3.20. You got it? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you and I may ask or think. Right here. But it's based on. You see that word according, it means in proportion to or to the degree of. In proportion to or to the degree of. So in proportion to the power that's working in us. No power, nothing is happening. <laughs> oh. So I'm saying it's not God. So when people ask the question, ask me, isn't God a good God? 7:73:1. Isn't he a, didn't the Bible say God is good to Israel? Yes, but the Bible tells us it's according to the power that works in us. Very familiar phrase in the Bible. Be done unto you according to your. Yes, it. Yes, it. You know the. You know it. Be done unto Jesus. Always. This is what he tells a lot. He said to a lot of people. He healed. Be done unto you according to your faith. It's according to your. Yes. Be done unto you according to your faith. It's not because it's not God's faith. It's your faith. Why? Because God has already provided the power to heal. Jesus said it is what? On the cross. Finished. He said it's what? Finished. The plan of salvation executed. All the power is available. Now it's you and I who have to position our hearts and ourselves for the power to go flow through. That's what it is, brothers and sisters. That's all it is. We position ourselves for God's power to flow through. So the Bible says they turn back and they limited God. I want to look at the word limit. The word limit here so you'll understand. It means, it comes from a root word. It means to scratch to imprint, to scrabble, to set a mark upon. Psalm 78, verse 41. Let's go back to our text. Psalm 78, I'm walking down through the text. Sorry about that. So we looked at what it means to turn back. In, when someone, someone turns back, they do it in their hearts. You and I cannot see it, but it's something God sees. Then we are told here, they limited God. What does limit mean? I want to show you. It means to, to scrabble. It means to scratch, to imprint, to set a mark. I'm not sure if you are familiar with this text, but do not turn there because of time. But in 1 Samuel chapter 21 verse 13, while Saul, while Saul was chasing David, the Bible says, Saul, uh, sorry, David went to the Philistines and he lived with Achish, the Philistine king, for a little while. And one day, somebody suspected David. They said, that's David. He's, a, he's an Israelite. What is he doing in Philistine? With us here in Philistine. So, uh, when David suspected that they were going to take him and kill him, he behaved. He began behaving like he was mad. He began, he began to dribble and, and um, read the story. It's a very funny story. You see, this is a man fighting for his life. He began, he began to behave like he was deranged and, and speech started to come down from his, uh, his mouth and his beard and he began to scratch. That's the word limit, scrabble. Scratch on the gate. You know how sometimes people are deranged, they do funny things? So he began to scratch and then they said, oh, he is out of his mind. And they felt sorry for him. When they left, David took off. <laughs> that's the word limit here. It means to mark. 
Metaphorically, it means to grieve. It means to afflict, to pain, to wound. So just like David scrabbled and scratched or marked on the doors, on the doors of the gates. Listen, so too the Israelites marked and scratched God's heart. That's what limit means. It means to, they grieved God. They pained God. They hurt God. Because of the decisions they made, the actions they took. And that's what the Bible says. That's why the Bible says they limit God. How many of you agree that if you pain somebody, you grieve them, they can't do much for you? And that's what happened. Let me ask you, brothers and sisters, are we doing that to God? Are we grieving God? Are we hurting God? Are we wounding God? That's what the Bible says. They what? Pained God. And I'll tell you one more time again, like I said before. God has a plan for you. We have a plan for ourselves. God's plan, promotion, via humility. The devil's plan, <laughs> humiliation. That comes after pride. You choose. You have a choice, brothers and sisters. I have a choice. Listen, we have to stop limiting God with our pious, hear me, with our pious position to remain poor. Can I say it again? I'm going to make some statements. Bear with me, amen? Stop limiting God with our preoccupation to be rich. Hmm? If prosperity comes, thank God, work hard. But that preoccupation is a way of limiting what God can do in your life. Wanting to remain poor is a way of limiting what God wants to do in your life. Who's going to pay to buy the church? Why do we have to go to the bank every day to get a loan? Well, let me move on. The amen is not priest. <laughs> <laughs> we have to stop limiting God with our desire to remain mediocre. Our desire to remain what? Mediocre. Just not want to give God my best. Because somebody told me down the road, I'm not good. Somebody said, you cannot do it. Living based on what people said to you. Messing up God's business. We must stop <laughs> limiting God by being, what do I have there? Inconsistent. Sometime in, sometime out. Just not dependable. You know in your heart what you should do. God told you. But just inconsistent, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> Stop limiting God because of our refusal to commit to his work. Let me give you a brief history of the ten northern tribes. The ten northern tribes of Israel. Everything I mentioned, that's what they did chose to remain mediocre, chose not to embrace the blessings of God, chose to be inconsistent, not committed. When Rehoboam, Solomon's son, came into power, you remember Rehoboam? 
the one who did not take the counsel of his father's counselors. When David died, sorry, when, when David, uh, when, when Solomon died, he had counselors. He retained his father's counselors, David's counselors. Now David, now Solomon taxed the people real hard. Amen. Because he had to, he had to extract money from the people to maintain the shrines of his wives. He had 700 wives, 300 concubines. So he had, he built a temple for every wife on the backs of the people. So every wife he got, she came with her own God and he built a temple for her. Guess who paid for it? The people. So when Solomon became, when, when uh, he died, his, his son succeeded him, Rehoboam, and they came, they said, we need civil reform. I'm just paraphrasing. You can read in the Bible. Amen. They said, we need to change some things. Lighten the tax on us. Amen. Just lighten. Just, just a bit. Just a bit. We are with you. And so he said, give me a day or two. He said, he went to his father's counselors. They said, Solomon, the people rule. The people rule. Do what they ask you to do. Some of, let me share, some preachers and some leaders think they're in charge. Let people revolt and you'll see who's in charge. Yeah, yeah. Some of us are finding that now at the polls. Some of us will start, well, we were in power and we got, con and all of a sudden there was an election and all of a sudden, where are you? Because the people spoke. Are you with me, saints? Always do the people right. Always do what? The people right. The Bible says when the righteous is in authority, the people what? Rejoice. If you are of a group in the church and they are not rejoicing, you better ask yourself a question. If you're a pastor and you're over people and they cannot talk about how <laughs> Christ-like you are. Since that's the Bible, that's the word of God. I, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter who I am. This is the, the Bible says the right, when the righteous is in authority, the people what? Rejoice. The only people who didn't like Jesus were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Everybody loved Jesus. The Bible said kids run to him. Sinners, they call him a friend of sinners and publicans. He sat with the people. He ate with the people. So much so he told them that those who are whole don't need a physician. He was saying you think you have no sin. Now I know you got sin but I'm going to indulge you. You think you have no sin you don't need a savior. But I know you. So he went to his fathers and they said to him don't you worry the people. Forget them. Tell them that your little finger is bigger than your father's waist. In other words, my father dealt with you with whips. I'm coming with scorpions. And the people say, okay then, we'll show you who's in charge. Uh, they revolted. There was a breakup. Ten tribes went up north with a guy called, called Jeroboam. He was always the leader. He, went, he had left Solomon. He didn't like Solomon. So he went to Egypt. But the people always liked him. Amen. He went to Egypt. So they went and they called Jeroboam. Solomon's son, his name is Rehoboam. That guy is Jeroboam. Uh-huh. So Jeroboam come and the ten tribes went up north with Jeroboam. And two tribes stayed with Rehoboam. Judah, Judah and Benjamin. And the ten tribes. So there is the north, 
ten tribes called Israel, and the two last tribes called Judah. That's why you have Judah and Benjamin in the Bible. Why? Why? Because of uh, why? Because of Solomon's disobedience. Amen. His disobedience. That's why it's good to choose God's plan sins. I'm giving you some history right here, and I'll bring it to a close. So, what we have here is the, the, the northern kingdom went to where God hadn't called them. They started to worship in a way God hadn't ordained. They moved away from Jerusalem, where God had put his name forever. They began worshiping calves. They changed the feast days. They lowered the expectations for priests. They survived, listen to me, they survived 209 years without a good king. Listen, listen, nothing good can be said about the ten tribes. They were wicked and awful and horrible. Listen, but God was patient and God was waiting. 209 years, God is patient and God is waiting for these people to come to their senses. God is patient with some of us today. Since God is waiting for some of us to, to turn around and do the right thing. This is the second month of 2023. The year is moving forward quickly. Now is the time to change and recommit your life to God. And say, God, I'm all in now. Listen, listen. They were wicked and awful and horrible, but God was patient. And he warned them for 209 years of what was coming down the road. Finally, in 722 BC, in 722 BC, the Assyrians came because they did not change. I think it's verse 12 of our text says, God said, God said, what said God said in verse 12? He said, I gave them up to their own heart's lust. God removed his protection from them. After 209 years waiting patiently, God said, okay, you want your own way? You want your own? You want to live in your own? You want to do your own thing? So he removed his protection. The Assyrians, the Assyrian army came in and destroyed the northern kingdom. They decimated them. They took their wives, their pregnant wives, ripped them open. They hung their priests. Listen, listen, but the sad part is that, brothers and sisters, they died without experiencing the promises of restoration and without all the other promises of God. Died without experiencing what? The promises of restoration. They, they just got wiped out. I'm almost done. Many died. They ran for their life. They assimilated in small groups or the places. The ten northern tribes, amen, were taken captivity. By the Assyrians and the Chaldeans. Never to be heard of again. Never to be heard of. Many of them ended up in Europe. A few of them are in New York now. Let me tell you how you'll know who are the descendants of the Jews. <laughs> yes, yeah. let me tell you how you, how, you, how you will know who are the descendants of the Jews. Let me give you their last names. Can I give you the last names? Goldbergs. The Spielbergs. These are descendants of the northern tribes. Uh, the Steinbergs. And the Icebergs. I'm just joking. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? Hear me. The same thing is happening to us now. 
God has been waiting. He's been patient. He's been what? Patient. Many of us were brought in this church. There are callings on many of us lives. It was not, it was not possible to fulfill where many of you were. God has brought you in this church. Because this church is young still. Still have a lot of positions on the org chart to be filled. Mm -hmm. A lot. Because God had you on mind before. A particular gifting mm -hmm, he gave you to be exercised. He didn't leave you in a big church somewhere. So he wants you to grow with this church. But many of us, many of us allow our ways to get the best of us. Mm -hmm. Many of us will go to places and will adhere and will submit to the instructions. But when it comes to the house of God, mm -hmm, we won't humble ourselves. Let me use the word humble ourselves and adhere to the what? Instructions of God. You know what I'm saying? That A pastor said that 25 years ago in another church. I was there. I was one of you in the sitting down in the pew. And God said to me, son, you're one of them. He's talking about. He said, you're one of them. I never knew I'd be here preaching today. 25 years ago, he said, there's a calling on your life. There's a particular gifting. And God did not leave you in another church. He brought you here. That church I was part of now is still here. That church has about 2,000 members still here in Tallahassee. It has grown. It's no longer small. We are still small. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. And God still has a plan for those of you who are here. Those of you who are listening. Are you with me? God is still patient. The Assyrians and the Chaldeans hasn't come in. God is still waiting. He's patient. You know what breaks my heart? We never heard of the ten of them tribes ever again. Never. Never. How, how does a nation just disappear? That's what the devil will do to you when you give him a chance. I was at the house two weeks ago, looking at him. Um, I said, my wife said to me, you, she said, just take a break and sit down. I said, okay, I will. I will. I will. She said, just look at so she take the TV and you know, I, I'm just sitting there, praising the Lord. I'm singing a psalm. And she said, let's watch a movie. So I said, okay, we cannot watch it. I said, I said if you give me a clean movie, I'll watch it because you ask. So she, got, she went and she got me uh, Samson and Delilah. And I was watching Samson and Delilah. And I saw when the Philistines captured Samson. And when they captured the man, they took a knife and took out his eyes. And then took him and had him grinding corn like an animal. And the Holy Ghost said to me, son, this is exactly what the devil wants to do to church leaders. And church members. Humiliate them. Let them lose their name. Lose their voices. So he can ridicule them. And I'm here to tell you. Do not let the devil humiliate you like he did the ten northern tribes. Sin, stand up, sins. Check yourself and start fighting. It's 2023. February 12, 2020. The year is quickly going by again. Don't let the year escape you, brothers and sisters. Get involved. Engage. Let me share, let me share with you one of the verses I hold very close to my heart. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. 
He that thinketh he standeth, take heed, lest he fall. You think you got it together? No, you think you've arrived? You think you make it? You think you have the Lord's will? <laughs> God's will has to be maintained. Now it's not the time to release your foot from the pedal. Keep the pedal to the metal. Please take time to meditate on the word and let it sink into your heart and soul and mind today. Knowing that the Christian who meditates on the word will be like a tree planted by the water, bringing forth fruit in its season and prospering in all that he does. But what if you aren't a Christian today? What if you don't know if you're bound for heaven as a forgiven child of God? If that's you, then let's take care of it right now if you're ready. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Are you ready to be forgiven of your sins and washed clean and made new? Are you ready to begin your new life in Christ? Then turn to God right now and say, Lord, I love you. I need you. I repent of my sins. Lord, please forgive me and wash me clean. I receive your forgiveness right now as I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior. God, please lead me and teach me and show me how to live from now on. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you're looking for a good church family, you'll be welcomed with open arms at Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee, located at 4750 Capital Circle Southeast near Tram Road. Sunday school begins for all ages at 10 a.m. and the morning service begins at 11. And the Wednesday evening service begins at 7. This is a life-giving, multicultural, multi-generational church where people of all races, backgrounds, and walks of life come together to worship, to be inspired in their love for God, to develop relationships, and to be empowered to live out God's purpose for their lives. Find more information on their website, imitatorsofgodministries.com or call the church, 850-408-8496.